unfortunate missed shots, some unfortunate moments um, down the stretch. made a, a ton of tough two-point jump shots um you know some of those go down as pain points but those are not at the rim um that that's a really good team we just played and i thought our team represented themselves very very well you've talked about how the game changes in the clutch late what did you see from your team uh, in those moments yeah you know turnovers late in the game continues to be something that we're struggling with um I don't think that our intent is bad. A lot of the turnovers are passing turnovers. Um, but I think, you know, in certain moments, we have to understand time and score and, um, you know, what's a high-risk pass and what's what's not. Um, but, you know, I, I never doubt our team's intent to play together. Um, I think we executed a lot of stuff down the stretch that we wanted to. Um, I think some guys got some good looks and missed, but you know, turnovers late in quarters and late in games, you know, continues to be something that we're emphasizing um, because, especially late in the game, you just don't have time to make it up. Um, we gotta, we gotta find a way to, to get get good shots down the stretch. Um, yeah. Like, how would you evaluate the field tonight? Like a lot. I think Nikhil overall played a very good game. Um, you know, again, in his position, um, taking care of the ball is, is something that's always going to be an emphasis. And, um, you know, back to what I was saying before, like I think Nikhil's intent to play with his teammates is very, very good. Um, I think most of his turnovers are passing turnovers. And so um, I think he's doing a, a pretty good job making the right read more times than not. Um, sometimes the ball doesn't necessarily get delivered on target, um, but he works really hard at it. And I love the way that Nikhil approaches the game. I think he competes on both ends really, really hard. Um, I don't think that he plays with tunnel vision. I think that he's really trying to involve his teammates and, and be a part of the group. So, um, yeah, that's a credit to him. He's stayed ready all year. He works really hard um, with our assistant coaches. Uh, watches a lot of film. Um, he's a really good young player. This is the first or one of the first times you've seen Leo Bomaro for that long. Mm -hmm. What do you see from his game in general, and where is he in terms of his development? Uh, Leo is a developing guard. Um, you know, I think we see Leo as as probably a primary handle, like a point guard. Um, he thinks pass first for sure. Um, his defense is very good. Um, he guards the ball well. He navigates screens well. Um, I don't know what it is about Argentina, but every Argentinian that I've ever been around is an absolute crazy person and uh, competes every possession like it's the last possession of their life. And um, Leo does that. Uh, his, his energy from the second he steps on the floor is contagious to the group. Um, I think he's... He's somebody, you know, for everybody to pay attention to moving forward. Um, you know, he spends a bunch of time in the G League right now to try to get a lot of game minutes. But um, his fire, his mental makeup, his passion for the game is 
you know, what we're looking for in our program. Um, you know, he represents a lot of the things that we're trying to represent as an organization. How did you feel like you guys did against Jokic when you had multiple guys on him and you were kind of switching things up at times? Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, he's the two-time MVP for a reason. Um, he just has such good footwork and such good patience. Um, you know, his, his size for us can be a problem. Um, I think we threw a lot of different guys at him. Um, you know, I think late our activity was very good on him, forcing some turnovers. Um, but, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say, I wish our, our guys guarded him better. There's some moments that are just hard. Um, you know, Walker came to the bench at one point and said, like, I'm, I'm trying really hard. And, and, dude, I get it. He's the two-time MVP. Like, uh, you are trying really hard and keep trying hard because this is part of your growth. And, um, you know, he ended up getting a block on him on one possession, which, um, you know, shows that it can be done. But, uh, you know, his mind is special. He just understands spacing. He understands where his teammates are. He knows when to shoot and when to pass. And, you know, that's why he ends up with 31 points and 14 assists. Um, it's always a conversation in, in coaches' meetings. You know, do you want to double him or do you want to try to make him score? Um, because neither one is a good answer. Um, he's just such an elite player on in all ways offensively. Um, you go double, he makes you pay with the pass. Um, you stay home. He's he's really just found such a great rhythm in the post uh, over the last like three four years of his career um, as a scorer. So he's a tough cover, and um, you know credit to him. He he played a great game tonight. More jazz post game on the way. Tht switching gears, getting to the rack and one. We're proud of who you got, winner. When we come back. Hey. Thanks for working through the holidays. Clara, that's... So the Jazz come up short in Denver, uh, completely depleted, and really not what I was expecting from tonight. I thought it was going to be a slaughter. I know we were making bets uh, before, not bets, but saying the over and under 20 points. And I said under just because I think that we have fight. And that's one thing that this team for sure has is they will fight the entire game and tonight it felt like they played really free it felt like everybody had the green light nobody was worried about making mistakes there were mistakes made but um overall i i thoroughly enjoyed this game uh the ending was a little bit rough obviously and uh throughout the game i said uh Maybe we need to make like a mixtape or a video mixtape of all the calls that are not called and just make that thing go viral. Uh, it, it, you know, it probably won't change anything for the NBA, but at least it'll, it, it would make us jazz fans feel a little bit better. Um, if you saw on my Twitter, I just posted coach at the end was furious. He went over and called out, I believe, the head referee. Uh, called him out, said, you missed four, maybe it was four seconds. Uh, you ruined the game. Good effing job. And uh, I think that's how a lot of Jazz fans feel tonight. Uh, not that, you know, we were supposed to win by any means, but it would have just been nice to have a fair chance. 
without the refs being a narrative once again. Um, I really hate talking about the refs, but it's it's getting to the point where it feels really bad, especially like that moving screen that they didn't call on Balmero where he got that Charlie horse and then had to come out of the game. I don't believe he even came back in. Um, like they call that foul on Kessler all the time. And I feel like it's because he's a rookie. Um, some positives though. I mean, nah has a career night. I believe, I don't know if this is his career high. I would imagine that it is 27 points shoots 56% from the field, 50% from the three point line and 80% from the free throw, uh, has three rebounds, two assists, one block. He had a, a really nice block. And uh, also, THT, I feel like, had a, a season high. Um, I'm not sure that's his career high. He might have – I'm pretty sure he has a, a higher career uh, as far as points go. But I loved when those two were on the floor because we've, we've talked about who is better, Nikhil Alexander-Walker or THT. And honestly, I just think they're both competing for a spot. And tonight with them both on the floor made them perform better. It was almost as if they were competing against each other. But oddly enough, it made them play better. Um, So really fun to see those guys tonight. Ochai hit a few big shots. I I think he has some defensive uh, potential and... Um, I also tweeted, you know, I'd rather just see Ochai play at this point over Rudy Gay. Even if he's not the player that Rudy Gay is, it's just the direction our franchise is heading. I want to see it. The big gripe that I had once again, and I'm sure you guys know because I always talk about Kessler, but why is Vanderbilt in over Kessler in crunch time? We have the mismatch with Jokic and you have Nah guarding him because they switched it. And he has to foul him. Luckily, Jokic missed one. It's like, okay, that was a really great foul. But why not have Kessler in on Jokic to give yourself a shot at just blocking the shot or getting rebounds? Uh, he leads the team. Or no, Olenek led the team in rebounds. But Walker was one behind him with eight. Just to me, doesn't make sense why he's not finishing. If he's going to be a starter, if he's going to be one of your most efficient players, he had the highest plus minus on the team. Why is he not finishing? And really, we can talk about refs all we want, but to me, that was a huge factor on why we didn't pull this one out. So I'm going to go over to, we've got uh, Dallin and Kevin. I know we've got a few others in here. If you guys are wanting to speak, go ahead and request and I'll approve it. Uh, We've got JC's drip ready. So uh, let's go to down first, if you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Um, Yeah, I thought it was an interesting game. Just uh, just the aspect of what we've kind of touched on of watching those young guys get minutes. Um, I thought they played pretty well for the most part and I was uh, pleasantly surprised by Nah and um, I mean it seemed like he took the role of JC tonight and um, took 20 I don't know how many shots he actually took but 
He had like six. JC's like 20 to 25 usually every night. So. Yeah, I would say he was more efficient. He had 16 field goals and 10 threes, uh, scored okay. 27 <laughs> points. So Yeah. Yeah, and he only had like two or three assists. But, yeah, and those turnovers were – but like Coach said, he's making the right reads. So, um, yeah, I, I I was actually pleasantly surprised. It was actually more of a exciting game than I thought it was. And – uh, was more bought in just because like our bench players were hanging with their starters and um, thought Ochai did fairly well with the minutes that he had. And um, yeah, it, it surprised me that we stuck with them so well and uh, we must have just limit, you know, um, I haven't looked at the box score too closely, but limited the rest of their guys besides Jokic and Murray. And, um, yeah, Jokic yeah. had 31, Jamal had 30, but I yeah, think the big I thing was, those guys would go for 30. Yeah. I think the big thing was, is they only hit eight, three pointers to our 15. Yeah. They were definitely cold from outside for sure. Yeah. And three of those three pointers were from Contavious Caldwell Pope and Bones Highland. Jokic hit one, and Murray hit one. Yeah, Bones seems to go off against us. He must like playing us. Yeah, I mean, he I wouldn't say going off. He only shot 28% from the field and 42. So, I mean, he had 11 points that felt like they came at a crucial time. Um, I think it was a really impressive defensive game for us. Probably one of the more impressive games... Um, just considering who we were playing and the effort that we were putting in on, you know, just playing defense, honestly, and then going for the rebounds. Like, there was way more effort. It was obvious to me. Uh, and to to have Jokic and Jamal Murray not really just go off on you, uh, I think Kessler did a great job on Jokic. There were times where... Linux on him and Vanderbilt's on him and it's like you know there's not another guy you can put on him with everyone out to be effective maybe put Azabuki in tonight but he didn't play at all maybe just to you know rough up Jokic and get him a little bit more tired but uh I, I like the game plan of it especially late in the fourth quarter of every time Jokic touches as soon as he touched it like you ran another guy at him yeah it made him like think quicker about what to do. Yeah, and uh, during the, sorry, I'm I'm like can't think. As the clock was running down, we needed a stop really bad. I believe it was Beasley that came up behind him it really quickly and and got that still, and then we went down and uh, I think Beasley was filling a little hero ball and shot a, a terrible three. <laughs> yeah. No, it, and it's just super surprising to me that we had a chance to actually try to pull this one out. So that pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, yeah. compared to last night's game, this was way more entertaining. I was not expecting it to be entertaining. I actually was kind of tuned out the first quarter, just like, oh, you know, we're going to get blown out eventually. And they just stuck around and uh, were hitting shots. And I felt like, again, they were just playing free, not worried about running a certain play or trying to do a certain thing. And my wife was watching with me tonight, and she's like, <laughs> she mentioned coach. She's like, he's just always giddy. He's always just smiling. And I was like, well, 
Not really, but tonight he was, and I think it was just because he was so excited for these young guys to get out and and be playing so well together. Um, I also thought Balmero had a good night. Uh, he didn't score any points. He had three assists, but like when he was out there, um, it didn't feel like there was a letdown. Uh, and I, I was impressed with him because he usually never gets minutes, and for him to kind of be ready uh, was impressive. So I'm going to go over to Kevin, and then we're going to go to JC's drip after this. Again, if any of you guys want to chime in on this, feel free to request, and we'll let you in. So, uh, Kevin, go ahead, man. Man, where do I start with this game? <laughs> First off, favorite game of the year. This is this is what I've been wanting all year long. I Yeah, like, I was like, thinking of you this whole game, so like, keep going. Why the hell do we have all these damn veterans and we're not just playing these guys? It's so much more exciting, and these guys can play. These guys can get up and down the court. They can play. Like, I hope that this wakes up Danny, and he's like, okay, I can make some trades, and we can still be competitive. I don't know. I'm sure he's got a plan. Also, will you please buy me a pair of those rose color Kessler glasses so I can see Kessler <laughs> in the same amazing light that you do? Because I just don't see it. Well, numbers don't lie. He he was the only one. He was the highest plus minus on the team tonight. Mainly because coach never lets him play against freaking uh, um, homeboy. Jokic. Jokic. Yeah. Um, yeah, which didn't make sense either. Well, it did. Because every time Jokic was in the game, Jokic just put a 15-footer in his face and drill it. Like, he never took it inside on, on Kessler. He just took the 15-footer and drilled it. Like... Like, that was the thing is, like, he was just, Kessler could not guard him in, in, in the mid. And you can't just give Jokic those 15-footers all day long. He's, like, one of maybe two centers in the league that you can't, him and maybe a bead, that you can't just let take 15-footers all night long. And I think that's why he put Vando in, because Vando can front him um, better at that mid-range because Kessler was struggling. Like, when it got down, when um, when he backed Kessler down and got him into the, got his back to the basket, Kessler was great. But when Kessler was fronting him, I, I, I thought Kessler struggled a little bit. But um, maybe, maybe I was seeing something different. Maybe, maybe someone can, you know, correct me and tell me that I'm wrong. Um, but I, I thought it was a great game. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I, too... Uh, I'm glad that your wife caught that. Jamie caught that about coach because he had an extra step in an extra jump in a step because he got to coach tonight. Yeah. Like every time one of these guys was coming off the court, he was coaching them. He was telling them how he, how they could be better. And I really think that that's just kind of brought him to life. And that's why I'm really hoping that we do something to the trade deadline and we just give these kids a chance to play win or lose. I think we're going to be better than people think. I, I know. I think people think, yo, you know, you trade Conley, you trade all these guys. I mean, can you imagine these guys with this talent and you just added marketing who yeah. can shoot from the outside? Like it's, it's still a decent team. Maybe we don't win every game, but we still compete. Um, and it's exciting to watch. It, it reminded me of the first six games, eight games of the season where we just got out and we ran and, uh, 
hella fun. Great game. I, I'm so effing tired. I got like three hours of sleep last night, and I stayed up and watched this whole entire game because it was just nice to see these kids just get out and play and enjoy themselves. It was great. I loved it. You were thinking about our friends in Uruguay and Finland, and you're like, ah, I got to do this for them. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, 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 and yeah, I, I don't want to get rid of marketing. I love those fans. That's not what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to trade him. But like, No, I'm just saying as far as staying up because yeah. you're tired. <laughs> yeah, but but it was a fun game to watch. It was. Like, it, it was. It was. Everyone looked exciting. Yeah, we made a lot of mistakes. And yeah, the refs weren't our best friend. And, and they're never going to be our best friend when we're going up against Jokic. Like, when you go up against the Jokic's and the Giannis's and the LeBron's, they're going to get every single call every single time it's nothing new michael jordan got every single call against jeff hornacek and carl malone like it's just it's how the league has always been the superstars get the calls the other guys don't and you just you can't get caught up in it you just have to play through it um but coach did the right thing coach has to get in his face that's his job he's the coach but as a fan like i try not to let it get me too much because I've been watching basketball my whole life, and it's always been this way, man. If you've got an MVP to your name, you can pretty much murder someone and get away with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I thought for the most part, like you said, you know, you're not gonna get certain calls because you're a rookie or they're an all star. And we did. We played through a lot of it tonight, and also I felt like we contained Jokic and Murray, or Murray Murray, whatever how you however you say it, Jamal. Uh, like they didn't they didn't necessarily go off like it didn't feel like they were just unstoppable so i thought it was well planned or well played and then as far as um you saying it was extremely fun like i couldn't agree more I, this I, I i now see why kevin doesn't want us to play these certain guys and kind of tank like if you tanked this way um up and down the floor, these guys are playing hard, you know, they're developing, you can kind of see the future with THT and Na and Kessler, and then you throw in Lowry, like, we really missed Lowry down the stretch, if we could have just had him for a few big buckets or a three, he would have probably made the difference in this game, so, yeah, I, I think this is probably the first time I'm seeing through Kevin's lens, um, because we, we like to go back and forth and debate, but, it was a fun game. Like it, the whole time, I I just thought whether we win or lose, this is incredibly fun. I, I it, mean, can it, you imagine? Like, I mean, if we could play like this every night, and yes, it would be great to have the same record that we have right now. But let's say we're we're four games less because I I really do think like marketing probably still plays. JC's playing. I'm thinking maybe four or five at the most games we probably don't win and maybe we have some games that go our way because we play with this hustle yeah but we play with this energy every single night it's just as much fun to watch a loss in my opinion when you play at this level than it is to watch a blowout win or a high level win you know i i don't know it's just me i love it because it it invigorates me about what is, to is come. coming yeah. for the Jazz. And I think that that's why I get so frustrated with what has been going on the first quarter of this season is I just don't see the path forward 
because I see people like Conley, and I'm like, he's not going to be here. Beasley, he's not going to be here. Olenek. He's not going to be here. Olenek. Rudy Gay. JC probably won't be here. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that because I really hope JC will be here. And I know that people get on him about jacking up all the shots, but I just, to me, he's a character guy. He's a locker room guy. He's a fan favorite. I, I want. I mean, if I if I gotta pick one of the five starters to stay, I pick him over marketing. I know that some people Whoa. think I'm crazy. <laughs> I, I just love JC as a person. I do too. Maybe as a player, marketing is probably better. And and I don't really know marketing as well as JC. I just love JC a lot. I just think he's awesome. But um, you know, when I look at like the three of the five starters and the like, the first two people off the bench, I just don't see him being with the team in a year or two. And if we're not going to go out and make a trade and go for it this year, what are we doing? That That's yeah. where I get frustrated. And that's where I, I kind of bang my head against my wall and I kind of argue with you so much about this. But tonight was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I totally get JC it. Drip has to say because I know he's excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally I get it. Expectations. Yeah. Um, that when we don't have any expectations to win, uh-huh. and that's why when they play go out all out with like – yeah, that's why the beginning of the season was yeah. so fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you, you've got to kind of... I mean, tonight makes me think that even more than before that the Jazz are going to go out and make a trade because now you kind of see these guys. And, I mean, if you're hanging with the Denver Nuggets, it's not like they were depleted or had guys out. Like, these guys can hang. They can compete. And really, they need more time to find their rhythm. We've talked about, oh, Chinese didn't be able to find a rhythm. Balmero might even be a piece, you know, like a 10, 15-minute guy that gives you something. But these guys can't. And I just want to call out that at the beginning of the season, I said Balmero could be our number three backup point guard. And Coach pretty much confirmed that tonight. I'm just saying. Yeah, I thought he, he had great minutes. So it. It's it's I get where your frustration is coming, where you see these other guys that are veterans. Obviously, they're important pieces to, you know, winning as far as Mike Conley. But uh, even tonight, Jordan Clarkson's one of my favorite, too. And I think we brought this up before, like or I've been seeing it on Twitter, like, let's trade Jordan Clarkson and get something for him. Um, If there's a right deal out there for Clarkson and Conley. Like to me, you you gotta take it. I don't know what that deal is. I haven't thought about it a ton. I love Conley and Clarkson, but uh, I'm gonna turn the mic over to JC's Drip because I feel like he might disagree, but we'll see. So JC's Drip, go ahead, man. Um. Yeah. No. <laughs> don't hold back if you disagree either. <laughs> to me. I mean, I've been on such a high with JC for the last two or three years, uh, even when people weren't on the boat with JC. Um, obviously, obviously, yeah, if the deal, if the right deal comes up, you accept it. But to me, it's that it has to be a really good deal for me to accept that. Um, but pretty much, like, just you guys covered everything. Um, you said you were kind of tuned out the first quarter. I was tuned out the whole game up until the third, <laughs> of the third quarter because I had the game on. I was just playing Call of Duty. Yeah. And, um, I kept looking down. I was like, we're keeping up. Like, this is actually a game. Third quarter comes around. Fourth quarter comes around. It's still a game. So um, just really good effort out of the guys tonight for sure. Um, 37 is Nas' career high. 
Um, he hit that January of 2021. 37 uh, with who? Seven. Uh, hang on. Just let you know. New Orleans, I think. Playing the Clippers. And I remember actually watching that game. Um, and that's kind of how he got on my radar. I was like, you know, this guy can actually hoop. So, you know, development has to be there for him to be playing at that, you know, consistently at the high of a level. And I think his jump shot needs some work. Um, but I knew he's capable of this, and that's why um, that's the beauty of nights like tonight is it gives those young guys opportunity, more minutes um, to show what they're made of. And that's also the beauty of the season. Like last year, we have the expectation to win, but when we're watching games like this where we're five uh, significant players down, we have no hopes to win, and we could just kick back, watch the young guys play, and enjoy the <laughs> Standing ovation. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, like I, I would not have guessed that Nas' career high was thirty-seven, <laughs> um, but that's pretty impressive for any any player to go out and score thirty-seven in an Th- NBA game. Thts, I think, is forty-three. Wow, with the Lakers or who? Yeah, with the, with Lakers. the Lakers, I think his rookie year, maybe his sophomore, but I think it was his rookie year. Well, wow, that's impressive too. So. Uh, I mean, so both of them had a season high. Let me correct that. Um, I did not know that they both had games where they scored that many points, which is actually a good sign for us because, you know, if, like we said, if they get more time and can develop, you've kind of got a one-two punch in a guard line. You know, they, they could be, I don't want to say like Dame Lillard and McCollum, but if you've got two scores kind of the same system like that, uh, I think it could be really deadly. I know I want to kind of dive into this debate a little bit more. We've had it, and I think tonight is probably the best night to talk about this more. Um, we've said who's better, THT or Nah. And after watching tonight, I truly believe that they're both NBA players and could be a piece to this team or a trade asset, but. I don't believe either one of them is better than the other just yet. I, I wouldn't commit to either one, but I think they both have different games. Um, so when one's playing and one's sitting, you know, you're usually high on whoever just played that game because they had a decent game. But I mean, they both have played when they got the chance very well this season. Um, what is it with THT? and nah that is different in their game well i mean it's completely it's completely different um nah is gonna get you as a jump shooter he he's gonna pull up he's gonna shoot the ball and tht he's gonna take it to the basket like one's gonna get to the basket one's gonna shoot the ball like and tht struggles to shoot the ball and nah he, I don't know. He was kind of okay tonight, but for the most part, he struggles to, he struggles to get to the basket sometimes. Um, I think they they complement each other really well. When they played together tonight, that was the one thing I noticed. Um, they really complemented each other really yeah. well. Yeah. You saw Tht would get would get into the lane and then kick it out um, to Naw and and give him a good shot, and then Naw would you know do that little pump fake thing and then get the ball to THT as he was driving like like 
they they worked really well together. I, I I thought it was impressive when I saw the starting lineup. I was like, oh, here we go. about <laughs> to happen. And coach coach played them together a little bit in the first five games. I, I wonder why, like, because that's when they played the Kessler and Olenek and Markin in lineups, and they THT and Nod played together. Well, here's here's another point I want to hit on. You you've got the starters with Vanderbilt and Olenek and then Kessler. I I would go out on a limb and say Vanderbilt is our worst defender. And I think a lot of people are going to push back on that, but I truly believe he's our worst defender because he is just lost most of the time on where to be. He had a closeout tonight where he ran at the guy and they just blew, blew right past him for an easy layup. Um, I can't remember who it was, but my point that I wanted to get to is THT and Nah are both good defenders. So if you've got two good perimeter defenders that can handle the ball, bringing it up, and then you've got Walker Kessler behind them, I feel like that is was a, a, a recipe for success tonight on the defensive end of the court. What do you guys think? So, so here's my pushback on that. I, I agree to you, sort of. Um, I don't think those two would do as well as Vando does against the guys he's guarding. Vando's guarding the number one guy every single night. It's kind of like we all thought, um, what's his name? Man, I'm so tired. Homeboy, we traded to Brooklyn. Uh, Royce. 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 Rice oatmeal. Rice oatmeal was freaking awesome until he had to guard the number one every single night. And then he wasn't so awesome anymore and was started trashing about his defense. But when he guarded the off-ball guy or the number two, the number three guy, he could lock him down just fine. But he never did that. See, Royce O'Neal was really good when he played, when we had um, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Carroll. Oh, um, uh, Damari Carroll. Damari Carroll. Because Damari Carroll also was a really good ball on-ball defender and they could switch back and forth, and he could take the bigger guys that Royce struggled with. And that's really when you saw Royce to good. So, yeah, I do agree. Vando looks really bad sometimes, but I think if Vando was guarding not their number ones or not guarding bigger guys than him all the time, I don't think he would look so bad. But he's always guarding guys who are bigger than him, or he's always guarding their primary scorer. I think if he's guarding their two or their three, his defense is a lot better. And I think if, especially THT, would struggle a lot against their number one. No, I think I like him defensively. I think he has a chance, but um, but Coach wants to put Vando on their number one guy or he wants to put him on a bigger guy all the time. And I think that that is why he looks so bad. I really do. I honestly tru- truly think that that's his struggle is he's just, he's not matched up against who he should be matched up ever. Yeah, maybe. I, I would agree to that to an extent, especially if he's guarding Jokic. Like, there, that just shouldn't happen. Um, the other thing I was impressed with um, as far as Taylor Horton Tucker's defense, he got matched up on uh, Jokic a couple times, and I felt like, I would rather have THT trying to 
uh, bang with Jokic than Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt just is so skinny. And really the gripe that I have with Vanderbilt, if he was guarding the number one, and that's the reason why he sucks on the offensive end or he's tired, but his effort to me is just not there. Like he's, he's rarely in a stance when he's playing defense. Uh, and just look at the difference between him and Simone Fontecchio. Fontecchio's butt almost touches the, the, the floor when he's in the defensive stance. And if Jared Vanderbilt would get in a stance and just hold his hands up, it would make so many passing lanes look like they're not there, especially if he's guarding the wing. Um, the other thing with him and Kessler and like the big gripe I have why Kessler's not in, I know if, if it, it shows what he had three blocks tonight, he had eight rebounds. So not anything that just completely blows you away, but I think he affects the game and shots almost like Rudy Gobert affected shots to a point where that stuff will never show up on this, the, uh, the scoreboard or the, uh, the, what am I thinking? The stat box, what am, box score. And, um, it, you really have to watch the game to see the effect that Kessler has on it. I mean, you just, you can look at the box score and see it by the numbers as well. If you really want to with the plus minus Vanderbilt, negative nine, worst on the team, Kessler, uh, plus four, uh, highest on the team. And I would really love to see the net rating with, uh, too bad our boy Calvin's not on here to pull those net ratings. <laughs> uh, the net ratings for Kessler when he's on the floor. And I also would be interested in seeing the the defensive net rating on Ochai, or not Ochai, I'm sorry, Taylor Horton Tucker and Nikhil Alexander-Walker when they're both on the floor uh, with or without Kessler, because I think there's something there. I could be wrong, but I think there's something there. And honestly, we haven't seen it a ton this year. So um, as far, go ahead. 100% to your point, Vando's a head case. He's got something wrong between his ears. Like, Yeah, just not, his body language most of the time. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. Like he's just, he's in his own head or something like that. Um, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I just, it's matchups are important too. And the way coach is playing them right now, it just, this is my problem with the plus minus. This is why Kessler's plus minus tends to be a little bit higher than everybody else's because coach doesn't put him in there against the number ones a lot. He pulls him when the number ones gets in there and Vando always plays against the number ones. And so his minus is always worse. And so, yes, I think Kessler affects the game more, but I do think the plus minus is a little skewed because of who they're playing against. I think if Kessler was to play the same kind of minutes Vando played, I do think he would do better than Vando, but I don't think the discrepancy would be as large, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's been something that's been consistent throughout the year where the bench players seem to have a plus-minus that's in the positive and the starters have a negative, which is not a good sign. But yeah, it's it's been something consistent this entire game. Um, the other player that really sometimes goes off is Aaron Gordon. I thought we did a good job on him. So, was it Na that had the block on Aaron Gordon? 
I or or was it? I, I know that Kessler had a block on Jokic, which was fantastic. But somebody had a block on Aaron Gordon. <laughs> was it THT? Yes, it was. It was because I posted that on my Twitter. Uh, and then he he THT has this move where he like it almost feels like he's spinning to the backside. It's almost like a spin move and then straight into a step back, which is crazy to me because most of the time he can't see the basket when he's making this move, but that's like his signature move to me. And uh, I think it's a really difficult move. I tweeted, I I don't know if anybody else in the league really has that move that they do as consistent. Um, But it was a fun night with coach too, just smiling. And <laughs> he had that, that challenge call. Olenek, uh had a charge on some, uh, I think it was Jamal Murray and um, he, he challenged it. And then right after he was looking at his coaches and he goes, I was right. <laughs> I was right. Like he didn't think maybe they would give it to him. And even, even Thurl Bailey said, oh, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to go their way. Uh, but it was just funny to see him joking around on the bench with the other coaches because you don't see that a lot um, from, from Will Hardy's most of the time straight-faced. And uh, I had a thought, too, and I want your guys' opinion on this because I don't think it's right. Uh, it, it's just a thought that I want to throw out there. Um. In the beginning, when we were playing so well and on this hot streak, it felt like we were playing a lot like we were tonight, just really free and careless. Not careless, but like, you get what I'm saying, just just free. And everything was flowing, and the ball was moving, and shots were falling. And I had a thought, is coach overcoaching these guys? Like, is Vando so in his head because he's being overcoached and and Sexton, you know, we've seen Coach be hard on him. I believe coaches need to be hard, but uh, also you look at Golden State with Steve Kerr and how he coaches, and it's just like you never see him getting on players, really. It's it's just like any player that's plugged into that Golden State State system seems to do well. But it – I want to turn it over to you guys. Do you think that's a possibility that coaches over coaching these guys to a point where they're thinking too much? Well, I mean, I think we talked about this when at first, when we first saw the change, they were just kind of running up and down the court. And then it looked like Will was starting to put his system in place and he was trying to run some different sets and some offenses. And they were just kind of struggling to learn his system. And I think, that really is what I think happened. And I think tonight, because there was such a weird lineup, I doubt that they practiced with these sets, yeah. with these lineups, that they just went out and they played. And they're just a bunch of young guns. And I'm sure like it was annoying and frustrating for Coach to watch him just probably butcher the crap out of his playbook. <laughs> but, uh, but it, you know, at, at some point, like you have to put your offense in install your offense in there and and from what i've heard from some of the other coaches interviews he has a different offense that he's trying to put in place that um not a lot of people in the nba have seen before are running and it's a little bit different so i know uh, lou talked about it um and kerr talked about it in his post game too he talked about how 
he was really impressed with some of the um, things that Will does on the court and how his his sets are different than some of the stuff he's seen before, and he's excited to see his offense continue to develop in this league. So I'm I'm sure it's just a difficult thing, and I think Vando not being the most intelligent person on the team is always going to just struggle try to pick up that offense. Um, and I think he does better when he's just allowed to run up and down the court. Yeah, I my grandpa, I always go over there, and he watches the games, and we talk about UFC. And uh, usually he's on with things. Sometimes he's completely off just because he's older and doesn't watch other games around the league. But I uh, <laughs> went over there the other day, and, he, you know, I walk in, and we kind of talk about the game, and he's just like, Vanderbilt that guy does not have IQ. And he's like, I'm not talking about basketball IQ. He just doesn't have any IQ. (laughs) So yeah, I just, ah, I struggle with him. Uh, Anybody else have comments as far as the coaching or, or kind of what might be going on with the, the starting group? Dallin. Um, I think, I, I, I mean, obviously, this is uh, Will Hardy's first year coaching. Uh, I think he's trying new things out and seeing what works and what doesn't. And uh, I don't. To me, the reason why he likes so much tonight is because uh, we got to see him in his full repertoire of coaching. And he got to basically be the coach instead of having, you know, like a Mike Conley, because he says he learned more from Mike Conley as opposed to, so he doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. And um, being so young, it's got to be so awkward to try to lead the room being so young. Yeah. Like younger than some of these guys. And I just, I just think he's just learning like like Kessler as a rookie, you know, he's learning what's what's going to work and what's not and and he's learned from some great coaches in the past. So I, you know, that that's one part that I really like that, that a promising future for him that I don't think he's over coaching. I just I I just think he's just uh, seeing what works and what 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 works and what doesn't. Yeah, and and um, honestly, that was the first time I had that thought. Is probably tonight, just because these guys were playing so well and free. The other thought I've had multiple times during this podcast, and I don't think we've really ever talked about it, is it. it I can't wait to see what the team looks like and what Hardy's system looks like with an entire off season to install this. Like we didn't really know who the team was going to be up till the last second, even, you know, who was going to get cut or not, or if there's going to be more trades. Um, So yeah, I I think you're, you're dead on. He's first year coach. He's learning how to be a head coach. And uh, so. And, and to get players in that uh, he's able to coach, like he's getting, taking on a system that, you know, it was Quinn Sider's system or not necessarily because they didn't have Donovan or Rudy, but um, I mean, he did have, you know, some Jordan and, 
and Mike still coming back. So he's got it. And I liked what he's done with Jordan, Jordan Clarkson. He, that would be, he's right up there with Laurie Markin. And yeah. as far as I agree with, like, as far as letting them go, it'd be pretty hard. They would have to be a really good trade. And really, I think I, I'm, I was on board before, uh, that, uh, the Exum draft that we would tank. And I was, I was, I sounded like Kevin before that draft. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> and then we drafted Exum and then I was like, Oh, I don't know if I want to tank anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Exum was and the answer, so, baby. And so I, you, you know, I, I agree. Like, let's let these guys develop. I, you know, we're at it. What are we going to trade for? You know, are we going to trade for a Jimmy Butler? Or are we going to trade for a Kevin Durant just to mortgage our whole future nah, for maybe yeah. a few, a couple of years of, you know, mediocrity, you know, it's not, I think it is to develop these guys and to draft good players. And we're going to ride this out and we're going to, grow to like some of these guys and um we're gonna grow up with them basically as a fan base yeah yeah i want i want to go for the younger uh i just think they're more exciting to watch um especially after tonight you you know you look at teams around the league with boston that was being able to rebuild uh you've got new orleans now that everyone's healthy uh they they had a big win against phoenix suns last night you've got the memphis grizzlies with john morant so like I, you look at those teams, and it's taken a little while, right? But I think we've got pieces, and then if you can just keep adding a few more, obviously the Pelicans added C.J. McCollum, which was was perfect for them. Um, maybe we keep around a Clarkson or Conley to be that veteran. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I I want to see the rebuild. And after tonight, I, I really want to see more of Ochai. Uh, I want to see more of Nikhil, THT, and I, I want to see less of Rudy Gay. I want to see less of these, you know, Olenek even. Of, and I really like Malik Beasley's game, but he's not going to win you anything. I mean, if you can get if you can get a late first round pick out of him, I uh, for a team that wants a shooter, I'd be for it. Yeah, and he was uh, plus minus negative eight. So I, sometimes I look at this and talk to to my grandpa about this too. Is Walker Kessler, the best piece that we got in that Minnesota trade, you got Beasley, Vanderbilt, Kessler, and then what, four picks. But so far, to me, I think he might be your best. Second best would be Beasley. For this Jazz team, yes. Yeah. And the picks, yeah. You know, I keep thinking as we're talking, I keep thinking one of our very first podcasts when you invited the guy from um, Houston. Yeah. To, to come and chat with us and how we talked about how painful the rebuild is and how it is a process and you have to go through. And I just am so afraid that this winning season and this, the way we're playing now is just giving us this false sense of comfort and giving us all this hope. And it's just going to get really nasty before it gets better. It's just lifting us up and then everything's going to come crashing down and next season's going to be horrible. And I just, I hate that you have all these jazz fans that are so excited. But we need to rebuild because if we don't, we're just delaying the inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. And But if 
if the draft class is supposedly better than the 23, if the 24 is better than the 23, then maybe you want to be worse. It's supposed to be um, deeper, but not as top-heavy. There's not supposed to be any one of the Scoot or Wimby's level, but because it's supposed to be like a double draft, I mean, you could technically have lottery pick level players all the way through 25 or 26. I just want to say, and I look back on my jazz. I used to be a avid jazzfans.com poster on their boards. And <laughs> I actually went back and logged, got logged into my old account. And not to stroke my own ego or make my head any bigger, but I did want to draft Giannis and Rudy in that draft. Because I've watched a lot of Draft Express, because you could watch all the, the before it was ESPN. Man, could you imagine if yeah. you got Giannis and Rudy together? But also the Exum draft, I was begging for them to draft Aaron Gordon. I wanted him so bad, and so I'm just saying, like, I wish we had like a Draft Express again that you could watch those videos. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Do not want them to draft Exum. I wanted him to trade yeah, down. Me too. I was not sold on that kid. Yeah, obviously. I mean, look, he's not even in the league anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I think Kevin to hit on your point. I think we're so used as, used to being built up as Jazz fans and completely let down. <laughs> it's just in our our DNA. But the, the the thing that I feel hopeful about the most is. Even if we're winning, we have so many draft picks that our options are not endless, but I mean, we have a ton of options. So depending on winning, losing, whatever happens, maybe we build up some assets, trade them away. I just feel like we're in a, a really good spot. And yeah, it the the painful thing about the rebuild is just waiting to see what's going to happen in a couple of years because we've got these draft picks and we don't know what's going to come from it. Um, I, I don't know if it will be as painful as the Houston Rockets rebuild. I mean, they, yeah, they've been struggling. Yeah. And they traded that Christian Wood away. I mean, they, they wanted, they wanted to build around him and then they restarted their rebuild again. (laughs) Yeah. And then you have John Wall and John Wall just doesn't even play. And now he's at the Clippers and he's doing well. It just, I think their franchise is a mess in itself, but, uh, I wanted well, maybe with the John Wall. It, it, to Kevin's credit, maybe they were they were winning a few games, and then it just set them back. And yeah, and so yeah. maybe that's not what the route we want. Maybe we want to lose a lot more and lose a lot of these close games that are contested. Boy, and fight. I, yeah, I think it's tempting to not tank. I think you know you want to win. I don't think outside of fans, I don't think anybody in the front office, anyone in the coaching staff, or the players want to go out and lose. 60 plus games in a season i don't think anybody wants to enjoy that you know you want to put yourself in a position to win plus you know you are required to spend so much money as an nba team you have a minimum salary you have to meet and so uh, you know but it's just a fine line you know i think um was it you who retweeted um justin's comments from that interview the other night where you know you could kind of hear it in his comments like Nobody expected the Jazz to be this good, and they he kind of admitted they're they're in a difficult situation. Like, yeah, they're they're 
they're good enough to be competent, but not talented enough to go deep enough to make it worthwhile. Right. I I think giving younger players that haven't proven themselves run to see what they are. Like with watching Anthony Simmons right now against the uh, the Timberwolves, they, the Blazers were patient with him for three seasons. I mean, granted, they had McCollum before him, but they were pretty patient with him. And now look what he's turned into. I mean, I think he's almost better than McCollum, to be honest. But You know, if, we, if we traded Mike and JC and Rudy and uh, Beasley and Vando and just had a bunch of young guys around. Oh, I think it'd be fun. Around marketing. And yeah. we made the playoffs. I would be stoked. Yeah. I wouldn't even care about the damn draft pick. You know why? Because we have a bunch of young guys who are going to be with us for the next four or five years in the playoffs. Like it's completely different than if we make the playoffs with a bunch of guys who aren't going to be here next season of the year for that. Like, like I can't stress that enough. Like, it's not that I don't want to make the playoffs. Like, if we made the playoffs with, with this team this, that played tonight, this young team, and lost in the first round, I would be proud of that. I'd be okay with that. If we make the playoffs with Conley, JC, all these people, and get swept or win one in the first round, I'll be so disappointed. Yeah, because, I mean, the the main one that you got to think about is Conley, right? He's He's guiding this team and how long is his body going to last like he's he's been hurt a majority of this season um so i totally get what you're saying like if we make it to the playoffs with conley being the leader uh it, you're in a weird spot cuz it's like if if we can rebuild in you know 2 years and conley's a piece maybe but is he is his body going to be able to hold up? I just think uh, I don't think so. I don't. I, I don't either. Don't think so. I think we should do him a solid and trade him to a contender, to be honest, and get a couple good young players out of it and some draft picks. So, Tevin, you just joined. Uh, I was about to end this podcast. We had some a more a couple more people jump in, but a uh, couple more minutes. Yeah, what, I mean, you want to throw in your thoughts before go for another half hour <laughs> before we go, or what? What are you uh, thinking, actually, Kevin? I, Kevin may I, be passed up by then, but <laughs> uh, actually, no. I kind of want to piggyback off, off of what you guys were talking about earlier, uh, uh, the three of you. Um, I, I, have a, I think I have a question for you between us, San Antonio, and Houston. Who's going to be? back up in the ranks as far as like truly truly contending um in the next say five years oh i would say us but i think i think that would be easier to answer after this draft i would say tonio's got some nice decent because i was gonna say tonio's got some good pieces I don't know what the crap Houston's doing. Yeah, I would put. I, yeah. we, I I would probably agree. I I think we need to give us two years to see if it's really if we're really close, and we just need to either develop or go get guys, or where we're at. But I agree. I think San Antonio, between um, probably the next two to three years, maybe getting one or two guys that are you know those it guys, but also just having 
um, a, a handful of, of guys that are good rotation pieces that are just solid. I think they already have them and they're just developing them right now. So I, I agree. I, uh, as far as your other point with getting some young guys, I think it would be interesting to go uh, trade some guys that we have right now um, for some younger, younger blood and get them in here and, and see what we can do with that um and just see what our where our pieces land because i'm like like fontecchio even though he isn't younger obviously i think he's still a solid piece that we could have here in the next three four five years it's hilarious um, that we feel like 26 isn't young because i would give anything to be 26 again <laughs> yeah right well and what's no, i think we should free james wiseman from gold state i think that would yeah be that I, I, that would be interesting do, do you really think he'd work here i don't know i think he's i think he's talented enough that it would be worth a shot well, I, I don't doubt his talent. I, I, I question his want to because um, I, I've, other than the, the – He was the crying last... on the camera the other night. I mean, not the – I mean, <laughs> other, I like the Rudy shows his emotions too. So, uh, Other than uh, our one time playing the Warriors here so far, I've watched a couple uh, Warriors games um, and tried to see if there's any, like, Warrior Twitter going on, and everybody's complained about – uh, Wiseman, and then um, I can't. There was one other guy that they complained about. Uh, the, they're battling for championships, though. So. Yeah, and like the thing with the Golden State is like oh, you you know. need to be a shooter almost, and he's got two really good guys ahead of him in Kaminga and what's the other the other guy's name? I'm thinking of the big guy, Looney. Looney, there. I swear, yeah. there's another one, isn't there? I think, I think Wiseman is really solid, but yeah. I think Wiseman's like a less talented Aiton. I think he's got the same attitude issue that Aiton has. I just don't think he's as talented as he is. I would agree with that. Aiton is super talented, man. He just holds himself to a very, very high standard, which is a good and a bad thing. I just yeah. think uh, running Kelly Olynyk. I mean, I know that a lot of us aren't fans of Kelly Olynyk, but I. Uh, I just think running him and like you're saying, like him winning us games and getting us the playing game, like instead of just maybe having a James Wiseman, just seeing well maybe he gets it under control or maybe if he's the focus. Of the see offense. what what if you could? I mean, I could see Olenek fitting in with Golden State because he can shoot. What if you could just do like a straight across Olenek for Wiseman? I mean, who who else? What other team would Olenek fit into? as well as Golden State. Spurs or Houston? I like that because... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I like the Olympic deal to the Golden State because if you could get their first rounder, or if they have the first rounder, um, then the potential of them being an injury away from missing the playoffs and then having a good pick is always there too. So, I think he'd be a good complement in uh, Philly. I think he'd be a good compliment in uh, Milwaukee. What if he went back to Detroit? <laughs> no. if, Bo- if we could get Bogey back, I'd do yeah, it. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll be this a player. Is what, this is what I'm saying. Throw him back in Detroit <laughs> and have a go at it with there, back there. I think okay, there's so... That kid that played in Sacramento, what's his name, that Detroit has. Um, I was looking at watching some of his highlights and stuff. I, I don't uh, know who you're talking about. Uh, number no five. I can't. Re- he he played. He was drafted by Sacramento. Oh, Trey Burke. Uh, 
no, not Are you guy. kidding? <laughs> no, I saw a video today. Trey Burke is the Allen Iverson of the G League right now, and I watched a few highlights, and he, I literally thought he was Allen Iverson for a second because he's got the cornrows now, and he just moves like him, and I, I'm pretty sure that was his favorite player growing up, but it's a little that's a little bit off topic you guys don't have to talk about that um the other thing i wanted to segue into and uh tevin i'm glad you kind of brought it up like bagley sorry bagley yeah yeah i'd be okay with bagley i I feel like he is a solid he's he's almost like a big version of jordan clarkson where like you need a big guy that can just go at it um what am I trying to say here? I guess like a second rotation and we'll just manhandle a second rotation big guy. And I feel like he fits perfectly in that role Yeah, because he's not necessarily a starting guy. I feel like he would fit like him and JC would just absolutely manhandle and slaughter uh, pick and roll yeah. um, all day long. That's that, that was my thoughts. Um, every, every time I've seen him in Sacramento, because I feel like he has lots of talent. He just needs to be, just honed, just honed in and refined a little just, bit. Just for the record, we we've never had a problem putting a good second unit out. Like <laughs> the Chaz are good at putting a second unit. Out. We, we we need a first unit player at this point. Like our second unit dominates everybody all the time. It's the first unit that sucks. Talking about second units, I'm looking at the box score right now and looking at the Denver Nuggets. And that if there's a knock on this Denver Nuggets team. They don't have a second unit. Like, they're not very yeah. deep. You got Bruce Brown, uh, Aaron Gordon starting, Jokic, uh, KCP, and Jamal Murray. And then off of the bench, maybe your next best player is Bones, Highland Bones. Uh, you got the yeah. Christian Braun kid, Jeff Green, and DeAndre Jordan. Like, they, if one of their guys gets hurt, they're pretty much screwed right i mean bones highland is kind of the only one to write homo god everybody else is just kind of eh they're all right they'll do their job yeah so i mean you're only six deep though like that's crazy yeah Yeah. i think i think to make a deep run they they need to go get two or three legit bench guys that they can just throw in it's just crazy to me that you have Jokic, the mvp one of the best big men in the game and you, you, you're only six deep. Like, you know, ha, ha, right. I don't know. I would be super depressed if I was a Nuggets fan. That he's so durable, though. Yeah, and, and the, yeah. the one thing is yeah. if Jamal Murray can get back to where him and uh, Donovan Mitchell are going at it in the bubble, maybe. But, like, is Dude, Jamal you, Murray... You know, you, know who, you know who Denver would, I, I bet, really, really love to have and who, who they wish they probably would have gotten? Kelly Olenek? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that actually might be a solid pickup for them. Uh, no, uh, Bowie. Yeah, 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 Bowie yeah. would be a solid pickup. So that way, either uh, maybe he could play the three and then move Gordon to the four and then have... Um, KCP coming off the bench or vice versa. Although I I would probably start Bogey and then bring KCP off the bench. They but. can't afford Bogey. Yeah, they got that's no what money. It's all tied up in Gordon and Jokic and, and Murray. Murray. It, well, but some teams just have to go all in. Well, yeah, they should have done it. Oh well. But well, yeah, they don't really even have a, a Kelly Olynyk is a decent guy to, to go after. Though I I feel like they. Yeah, might, I think I mean, he could fit in there. 
He's already won us a, a couple of games, so for, he'd surely win them a couple of games. Yeah, I'd trade him for Jeff Green. <laughs> so I was, I was thinking the other night, as much fun as that game winner was against um, Golden State. Golden State. Man, that hurts us so bad. Like, we need Golden State to go on, like, a 12-game winning streak. Because the West is so compact right now, like, nobody's pulling away. And if nobody pulls away, nobody's going to make a trade because everybody thinks they're still in it. So we we need them and Boston and Milwaukee. We need, like, four... Three or four, four or five teams that just start running away with it. So these other teams that are right there start making stupid A trades and giving yeah. away stuff that they know they shouldn't give away because they're trying to compete with these teams. Yeah, so that I've been trying to segue into this for the last 10 minutes, so this is perfect. Golden State tonight, and I, I feel like... I, I'll let you guys say. Golden State tonight beats beat Boston by... It was 107-123. So it's like Boston to me was just running away with the entire league. They were head and shoulders above everybody else, and then Golden State goes in there and, and beats them. Um, it, are we going to see a rematch, a finals rematch of Golden State and Boston? Because I, I'll never count out Steph Curry being able to make it to the finals. And eat, I, I I know for sure we're gonna have Milwaukee Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals because while I know Philly's gonna try and go for to, yeah to they're not gonna Eastern, I I I think it's gonna be Milwaukee Boston again in yeah. in the East Conference Finals and honestly I don't know between the two of them who would move on but to be completely honest I'm okay with either one of them because they're great both great great teams. Yeah, and honestly, the only way Philly really is going to make any noise in the playoff is George's Niang. <clears throat> Minivan's going to have to just throw it into sixth gear. <laughs> He's going to have to upgrade the, the his transmission in his minivan for that to happen. Get that you turbo all, installed. Y'all are going to think I'm crazy, but I still think Cleveland has a good chance to make it to the finals. I don't. I don't give them past the second round. Yeah, I just I, don't think they can beat Milwaukee or, how, or yeah. Boston. How are they going to beat either one of those teams? Yeah, Because they no. got Donovan, man. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Mr. Choker. Are, are yeah, yeah, Mr. Choker who has the highest per-game average in the playoffs of any active player in the league right now. They blew a 19-point lead last night to Sacramento in the, like, Closing minutes. Sacramento. Yeah, they're not gonna. Light the. They're not gonna do Uh, it, man. If they do, Kevin, remember how we had that bet? Throw out last year. Throw out. No, no, no. Hang on, I'm making a bet for you. You have that bet. Uh, what was our bet again for you to take us to dinner? The Jazz make it out of the first round. Okay, if Cleveland makes it, they don't even have to make it to the finals. If they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I will uh, reciprocate your bet. That's my bet oh to my you. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's a that. Oh my gosh, I, I can taste the steak already. Uh, <laughs> which, How is Donovan Mitchell going to beat either one of those teams, though? By the time the he gets well, to first off, first off, it, it has Donovan ever been out of the first round? No. 
Yes. So he's basically another Tracy yeah, McGrady. Against it, yeah. OKC, he was. Yeah. Yes, right. Oh, okay, okay. So he's not Tracy McGrady. Yeah, but now now that he doesn't have uh, Rudy to give up all those points to uh, man, he should be able to make it out. I just think by the time they get to that point, they're going to be so exhausted. His ankle's going to roll a few times, and it, it just... Or, it's, or somebody will bump into him inadvertently and hurt nah, him. It's one of the two. It, you're right. I, I do think they're one of the top four teams, but those other two teams are are, right, are tough. But I could quick, see quick, it, quick, quick discussion back to the bet. By the way, um, didn't we <laughs> a couple of us win the bet of uh, Mike Conley um, playing before Christmas or before uh, the holidays? I don't know if we had a bet on that, did we? Uh, uh, I could I could have sworn Kevin said that he wasn't going to play before the holidays. I did, but I would have never put money on that because that's crazy talk. Yeah, if you can go back through all the podcasts and find that and clip it, then I'll buy you lunch, all, you know, just because just that, we made yeah. that. But it would also help the podcast in getting a few more plays. <laughs> <laughs> Does it count even if it's a replay? Yeah, I think so. I, oh, sure. I would I'll imagine. i my homework. On. That's, that's where it's at. Oh, that's here we go. Here. So, um, so, Kevin, if if we win the play-in game, does that con- constitute a first no, round? No, well, no, no. It's just the pl- man. You're playing just to get in. That doesn't count. <laughs> no. Yeah, you no, got to make it count. in. I don't think the play-in games count. You got to get out of the first round. The play-in game, you're just playing with a bunch of other losers. The first round is an actual <laughs> Yeah, look at Pat Beverly last year on the on the scoreboard. You know, acting like he was Dwayne Wade and LeBron James he, he laughing at him. He won the finals with that, bro. <laughs> so, 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 so before before you guys hang up, back to the original question: Who's coming out of the West? Like, I, I, I don't see anyone but Golden State. Like, they, mm. they've got to be the favorites. Uh, I, I'd say, I'd say no, Golden State, no. Portland. No, I think no. the Jazz. Shut I, no, I I think I the would, West is just so such a jumbled mess right now that Phoenix. I wouldn't even. Yeah, you have the Jazz. Yeah, yeah. I would say team. I would, I would put Phoenix either. and Denver probably in there. I want like I I want to say the Mavs just because. Uh, honestly, play, honestly, guys, if New Orleans stays healthy, they're yeah. Yeah. I could see them coming out. The dark yeah, horse. Where is New Orleans right now? Like, what are they ranked? Dude, they had a they're big win over Phoenix last night. I think they're second or first. Fourth or fifth? No, they're second or first. I just, I just think when it comes down to it, with all that playoff and championship experience that Golden State has, they're just gonna find a way. Yeah, yeah, guys, listen to this. New Orleans Pelicans are first place in the West. They're on a six-game winning streak. Memphis Grizzlies are second in the West. Dude, that could literally be the Western Conference Finals right there, and that would be entertaining as hell. With literally, the Memphis Grizzlies are going to go to the NBA Finals and get the first round draft pick next year. Oh my gosh, that's scary. Um, and then and then Denver Nuggets fall in. Denver Nuggets and Phoenix are tied for third and fourth. And then you got Sacramento. <laughs> that's so crazy that Sacramento's in there. Um, they actually have some good players. Dude, I love I love Fox. I love that kid. I love me some bonus. I either either um, whoever the GM is there in Sacramento needs to needs to step up and bring some guys there. Either that or needs to make some blockbuster trades. Maybe Olenek. 
I mean, hey, they're going to need a bench too. Might as well. Do they have any shooters, though? Like, like good, like, stretch fours? Isn't Davion Mitchell a decent shooter, not just a a good defender? Yeah, but I don't think he's getting minutes anymore. I think he's going to join Butler in the G League. I thought... I thought he was... Uh, Way they pushed Davion down to the G-Leagues. I don't know, man. I, I know that he was, but... Let's see. Where is he? Trey Lyles is on there. That could be a big, big, uh, big guy for them. Just stop. The only thing Trey Lyles ever did good for us was get us Donovan. Shooter, <laughs> bro. I couldn't stand Trey Lyles. I, I, I'm not sure on Davion Mitchell. He's, he's not going to want to work more than a couple hours of practice anyway. Yeah, he'll start complaining about practices being 45 Stop. minutes. Stop. We're talking about practice. 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 Yeah, the West is just crazy. We're only four games out of first place. And, yeah, well, I mean, you've got Dallas behind us with Doncic. Uh, the Lakers might be able to figure it out how to get into a playing game and then maybe go on a run if they're healthy. As, as long as AD stays healthy, then then they might do something. But no, I I think let's we'll, let's wait in for uh, after these holidays starting in January and let's just watch and see if Golden State or Portland or I'm not a betting man. New Orleans and see if they can just get it going. I'm not a betting man, but and I probably wouldn't put my money on any of these teams right now because it's so close but and i'm not just saying this because they're one and two i would put money on memphis or new orleans coming out or or making it into the one of those teams making it to the western conference finals just because their defense uh, memphis's defense i feel like is or memphis's team is built for the playoffs the way that they can just dig in uh, in the grindhouse, and New Orleans is exciting, man, with McCollum, uh, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. They've got Vuj- or uh, v- well, who's their big guy, Vujicic. Uh, I just can't bet. I just can't put money on Ingram and Zion to stay healthy. Yeah, Those I know. That's the, that's the big thing. Well, I, I can get on board with Memphis. I can, actually, I can get on board with Memphis, but, like... I don't know. Golden State. I just can't bet against Steph. Yeah. And, yeah. And freaking, what's his name? Looks so good this year, too. Um, freaking uh, Clay Thompson is back. He looks yeah, so Yeah, no, good. I, I would say Golden State and Memphis just because I, I, Memphis already has a little bit of playoff experience against the Jazz, obviously. I feel like John Morant's hitting that next stride. Their defense is amazing. And uh, they're they're just figuring it out you know, on all fronts. So I would I would put uh, Memphis and and Golden State in the West. Yeah. With that said, I still think the Lakers are one good trade away from being there too. Yeah, Olenek and Mike Conley, man. <laughs> Olenek and Mike Conley for Westbrook and Beasley. That's serious? Throw that... Beasley in there too, man. Dude, that man, it if could. they got Olenek, Conley, and Beasley from us, yeah, they they would be they'd be favorites. I think they'd the be solid. So wait. So if we pull up that trade, and we end up getting Westbrook. Are we releasing Westbrook, or is he coming to play? No, he's getting uh, bought out. We don't want. I want. Lo- I want Lottie Walker. 
Just Dude, I want Lonnie Walker Dude, so Lonnie bad. Walker would no, amazing. I want the picks. I'd rather have the picks than Lonnie no. Walker. Lonnie. Picks and Lonnie Walker. Lonnie. Lonnie. Imagine, oh, yeah. imagine the Vivint Arena just Lonnie. 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 I was going to say, give me Lonnie Walker, give me both picks, and Westbrook. That's that's a deal right there. There's yeah. no way the Lakers are going to give that up. Dude, we'd have pure magic on the team if we had two Walkers. That's, Walker that, Kessler that, that, and Lonnie Walker. Yeah. That's why we need to bet on them going on a run here in the next 20 games. Well, they've the lost three is, in a row, so. <laughs> without I mean, they're literally seven games out of first place. Yeah, but all they have to do is it, all they have to do is not get hurt, make it to a play-in game, make it in into the playoffs, and then it's. I'm telling you. Or actually, let me correct that. To your point earlier, let's hope that Memphis and uh, like Portland go go on a, or no Golden State go on a run and win like ten or or fifteen in a row, and LA's like crap. Let's go. Uh, let's yeah. Let's, or let's one of pull, them has pull this pull this trade. Let's pull the trigger. Or one of them has to go for a big trade. Like something has to happen to make them think that we have to do something. Because right now everything's so mediocre and muddy. Yeah. Like they probably still think they can get by if they just stay healthy, which they're probably right. You know, I would even trade for that shooter's uh, Austin Reeves. I think he'd be a decent little little shooter on our team if you throw in Malik. Uh, I want the Uber driver. The what? The Uber driver. Oh yeah, yeah, but he got waived. We could just pick him up. No. Let's do it. Okay, well, I'm going to end this. Um, I wanted to, t- to mention one thing because for us being a first-year podcast starting at the beginning of the year, uh, really just starting my Twitter account, I've had the most viral Twitter of my Twitter career, and it is pinned to my profile of Rudy Mom's crying uh, Rudy's Rudy Gobert's mom crying at the game when they were playing his tribute video. And honestly, I wasn't expecting to feel the feels that game and watching her cry. She's uh, the sweetest woman ever, man. That yeah. Was, and then, was, and then I heard she still lives here and I can't imagine. I'm sure she wished Rudy still played in Utah and it just made me feel like, man, they really loved Utah and Rudy playing here, and I thought, us too. I she was in France still, and only visited on on like occasions where she wanted to. No, well, I swear, Rudy in one of the pre games before the game the other day said his mom still has a house here, and Rudy Gobert still has has his house here. He slept in his house, and he said he he got to spend time with his mom while he was here. So I, I, I wouldn't doubt if she was like still in France or somewhere else and was like, Oh, Hey, my, son, my son's going to come back to Utah. I'll just stay. I'll just stay in Utah for a couple of yeah. weekend, whatever it was. Dude. How funny would this be in 2019 or sorry, 2029 Rudy Gobert gets to announce our first round draft pick <laughs> back on the jazz <laughs> that we got in his grade. <laughs> if that comes true i'll buy you like a week's worth of dinners <laughs> can you imagine can you imagine he, he comes back here he comes back here after his contract's up and in 2029 when we still have their draft pick 
he gets to walk out on the stage and announce the draft. I hope with all my heart that happens. I hope. Oh, that's the funniest thing I've heard on this podcast. So we can bring it back up in 2029. Yeah, I'm going to clip this right after. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the new intro for the podcast. even Even better, they're horrible. And he's our representative that we send to the NBA draft lottery, and he accepts the number one pick for us. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, and he has a suit jacket. And then he just drops the mic after. Mad <laughs> <laughs> props to uh, Mama Gobert for raising such an awesome freaking human being. Shame. Yeah. So yeah, that I've back to my point. That tweet has eight hundred and forty-four <laughs> likes, which if it. I it was at like 200. I was like, oh my gosh, this would be crazy if it hits 300. And uh, if it hits a thousand, I I might buy you guys some jazz tickets and we go celebrate. It's got uh, near. It's nearing 30,000 impressions. You're you're really tempting me to uh, have all my extended family ma- just make uh, a oh. Twitter to be able to go do that. If so you can make that, that happen, uh, I'm telling you, I'll buy us tickets. You do all need to go to a jazz game though, for real. It'd be fun, and while at the jazz game, record a podcast during the whole game. <laughs> Do a yeah, live yeah, cast. Just, just do it live, bro, and try and do it better than uh, than David Locke. Not saying that oh. he's a bad bad call because he's actually a really fun call to listen to. But try and do it better than him. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Oh, so catch this, guys. You guys watched the game, the Rudy Gobert game, right? You know the guy that they kept flashing on the screen that kept holding up Rudy's jersey, but he he wasn't wearing it, but he was yeah. holding up Rudy's yellow jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the yellow the yellow jersey that he had. Yeah. So his name is Preston. Okay, I know him. He was the guy who Michael Jordan gave his shoes to in the sixth game. How much are those yeah, worth? The yeah, flu game. Say, isn't that it? Hasn't he had season tickets since like forever? Oh yeah, Preston. Preston is freaking ridiculously rich. Well, why um, is he, he not on the podcast, Kevin? Oh, because he's somebody? he's an absolute asshole. <laughs> um, I would never invite him. Um, <laughs> His brother, his brother's one of my good friends. Um, he's a cop down in St. George. Um, but yeah, I see him on the I see him on the freaking shows all the time. But yeah, I was like, I guarantee everyone saw him because he's like doing the jersey. But yeah, he's the guy who um, Jordan gave his shoes to after his flu game. I wonder if he still has them. No, he he auctioned them off for one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Oh my That's god! Crazy. They were supposed to go for like eighty thousand dollars. And they went That's for 120. It? Yeah, but the, how much are they worth now? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I, just the other day, I watched a video of a uh, of a shoe collector who has um, an authenticated, it was authenticated to be um, the last shot, the, the shoes that he wore for the last shot. And he goes, they're well worth over a million dollars, and he has them insured for 